Good afternoon, everyone. Ken Paskins with podcast Leadership Tools of Titans. Today we'll have with me Patrick Donatio, who's written a phenomenal book, Communicating with Impact. Uh, today we are also sponsored by our online community for CEOs who want more out of life and business, uh, The Shift Spot. Check us out, theshiftspot.com. Patrick, tell us a little bit about your book. I mean, you know, there's a lot of business owners that struggle. You and I know it comes down to basic things, communication, leadership, people, you know, all that good stuff. Talk to me about your book and impact, what it stands for and how that helps us. Well, thank you, Ken. Great to be here today. And I hope your listeners are ready to take some notes because I really want to give some value to them on helping them be more effective at communicating with impact. Well, I've been teaching communication skills for over 20 years, you know, to leaders. I've worked with, you know, high level leaders. I've coached CEOs and C-suite people. And one of the things that I learned early on was a lot of people do communication skills, but what they don't always do is have a process. So for me, um, when I got back, I was a goodwill ambassador to Japan. When I got back from Japan, I had heard about Deming and I read a book called uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Not sure if you heard of it, but uh, in The E-Myth, Gerber talks about how you should structure your company like a franchise. And I thought to myself, you know, how could I make sure that my tools are like a franchise? And if you go to McDonald's or Wendy's anywhere in the world, you get the same fries, right? Not because they got the same grease, but because they have a process. Yep. So um, I decided to take my communications class and, and it took about 10 years to kind of work it through and think about what's worked and what didn't work and how I had feedback. And I came up with the six-step impact process. So I thought I'd start out with just a quick overview of the impact process. And then we could talk about you know each of the steps in more detail. You can ask me questions. We'll take it from there. I love it. Yeah, go for yeah. it. Please. If you could lay out the process for us. I, I, Perfect. I yeah, well, I, I tried to make it easy. So I made the word impact an acronym. And a lot of times people think, oh, gosh, another acronym. But this acronym to me makes a lot of sense. And I'm going to walk you through it. And the reason I created the acronym is I wanted to make it easy for people, you know, to remember the steps. The first step of the process is called the intention or the I, right? Mm -hmm. So what's your intention for this communication? Every great communication starts as a thought, right? And we always talk about think before you speak. Yep. So uh, when I talk about the intention step, we kind of get, you know, very clear about what am I trying to accomplish? What's the outcome we're trying to achieve, you know, by communicating? Yep. Um, I, I talk through... Um, some different things, for example, I have a laser-focused intention template that I created so people can actually walk through and fill in the blanks to help them get started. And I also talk about the importance of understanding the why. You know, what's the why behind what we're trying to do? And all these things probably take not a lot of time. In fact, in fact, I would say the intention step is probably the shortest step in the book, but it's probably the step most people forget more often because they just want to jump right in. Yep. So uh, that's the intention. Uh, the M is the message and the method. So once you know the intention or where you're going, right, what's the best method to use to achieve the intention? And what would you want to put in the message? So in the method, you know, we talk about different types of methods. We talk about the importance of, you know, not always using your preference because a lot of people do what they like. And so think about what's important for this particular intention, what's important for that person, and what's important for the outcome. Then the message, again, and I can go in a lot of detail, but we talk about crafting a great message, whether it's on the phone or making a presentation or crafting an email or having a phone call. You know, every great communication has an opening, a body, and a closing. And I go through a lot of techniques and tips. We can go in, into that a little more deeper. Okay. Awesome. The P step is the person. Mm -hmm. So you know what the intention is. You start to craft a message. Then you say to yourself, oh, this is a nice message, but you know what? Depending on who I'm talking to, this may not be the right message. So I talk a lot about you know, crafting or personalizing the message to the receiver. Yep. 
And we take a look at not only personality styles, I, I tend to use DISC in the book, but I talk about all kinds of personality styles. And we talk about, you know, mindsets and experience levels. And what are some of the things that craft the lens that somebody might look at or look through when they're getting the message? So that's the IMP part of the process. I kind of like to say I am planning, right? IMP, we're planning the content. And then we have the planning of what I call the delivery. Uh, again, the whole process is in a planning proactive approach. The ACT is how do you plan, you know, the delivery to get the results. Right. So the A is activate. Okay. And I take a look at two things. One is active engagement, because we've all heard a lot about that. I know you've heard or seen the recent Gallup studies about engagement. Again, we can go into that a little bit. And also the A is for active listening. And as I've been traveling the country for, I don't know, over 20 years now, I would say almost every time I do a communications workshop, I ask this question of the audience. How many of you have had a formal 30, 60, 90 minute listening skills workshop? And guess what percentage of the audience says yes? I'm curious if you could take a guess. Honestly, probably less than one percent. Yeah, actually, it's about ten. But that's okay. that, even that's kind of even that's kind of low, right? When we spend so much time listening. Yep. So in the A step, we talk about you know how do you engage people physically, mentally, and emotionally, and how do you keep yourself engaged with, with a lot of active listening. Uh, the C step in the process is okay. You really got it all figured out now. You got to think about how am I going to make sure the message I sent is the same message that they receive. And studies show that 70 to 90% of your message is screened by the receiver. The meaning of the message doesn't always come from the sender. A lot of times it comes from the receiver. So we talk about what are some tools and techniques you can use to clarify, get clear understanding. And I walk through a lot of tips and techniques. Uh, the book is really loaded with tips and techniques. In fact, in the activation uh, chapter, I have 32 listening tips. Excellent. So it's a very practical book. Anyway, so see it's clarified. And then the last step of the process is how are we going to make sure that we can be able to transfer our thoughts and our words into actions and results? Because okay. a lot of times, you know, we have a lot of communication. Sometimes we have the same communication over and over again. <laughs> Sometimes right, right. we talk about things and nothing gets done. Right. So in the T-step, I take a look at two types of transformations, internal transformations, external transformations. Okay. Most people are familiar with the external transformations, you know, like having a follow-up, you know, maybe sending an email after you have a phone call you know, having a, a deadline. But the internal transformation is an area that I think a lot of people don't spend time thinking about. And that has to do with what's the mindset of the receiver? What's going to get in the way of us moving forward? What, what's your mindset, right? And so there's a lot of internal transformations that have to happen sometimes in order to get the results we want. So in a, a very quick overview, that's the impact process. It's a very I think clear, concise approach of things that people should be doing or know that they should do, but don't always do. Okay, excellent, excellent. That sounds very comprehensive. Um, just out of curiosity, when do you pull out these tool sets, right? So, uh, you know, I, I have a communication with my daughter. Do I do I go through the strategy? Do I map it out then? Is this for uh, implementing change across the organization? Where do you get the where do you get the biggest bang for for leveraging what you've created here? Yeah, I, I always say if it's something that you think is important or is critical or could be complex, you want to walk through the whole process. You know, if we're trying to figure out we're going to go for lunch today, you don't need to worry about that. Yeah. If I'm having a difficult conversation with my daughter about bullying, I'm just making stuff up. Right. That might be worth you know spending a couple minutes and thinking through the steps. But, but again, the first step is most important. What's my intention for this communication? 
Yeah. Right. Because sometimes we know we have a faulty intention. Let's just go back to the daughter. My intention is to tell her, right? Well, you have to stick up for yourself. You have to really, I think my first intention should be to hear what's happening and listen and allow her to share because that's in a very important part of her being open and then wanting to hear. So anyways, um, there's so many different times you could use it. Um, I tell people, you know, if you think it's something you're concerned about, worried about is challenging, you know, then hurt to walk through the process. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. I, I thought I heard, I could be wrong, but I thought I heard some elements of neurological programming in there that you actually go through and help people do, do that some as well. I mean, well, I mean, we do talk about in the transformation step, internal transformations, the whole idea of, of what I call the fixed and the growth mindset. Yeah. You know, if you've heard of Carol Dweck and she's written a lot about the growth mindset. So I know when you say a neuro-linguistic programming, of course, I've, I've been around long enough to remember NLP and yeah. you know Tony Robbins, and I don't necessarily talk NLP language, but I do talk a lot about how I believe things happen, and that is that our beliefs drive our behaviors, and yeah. our behaviors drive the results we get. And sometimes we have to go back and take a look at the beliefs, which are the internal right transformations, because sometimes the behaviors aren't working or don't get the results you want because of something that's getting in the way, and that could be a fixed or growth mindset or belief. Right, right. So very strategic moves across the organization, such as we're shutting down a division and or we're letting a senior executive go and or we're going through a merger or acquisition. You know, these are things I would assume that the leadership team, the marketing team and all of that should actually utilize and craft that message. Is that correct? Oh, yes. In fact, you know, I've been coaching C-suite folks, and I uh, was I coached the CEO for quite a few years. And one of the things we did early on, of course, he liked the process. And I said, look, let's bring in your communications team, yep. and let's help them understand the process also so that you both are working together. So when they're crafting your, you know, speeches or your presentations or your communications, you know, to the team or to the employees, you know, they're going to be familiar with what it is you're trying to do. And so it's a great tool that it really helps everybody. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, so how do you go about just implementing the process, right? So you, you coach a lot as well. People can go read the book and go through and learn it themselves. But if a CEO brings you in or a company brings you in, what, what, what are the first steps? Is it just to teach them the tools or I assume it's greater than that? Yeah. I mean, I do probably 40% of my time is coaching leaders. Okay. Right? And again, I've, I've coached all kinds of folks in all different levels, Fortune 100 companies, Fortune 500 companies. I mean, when I start with coaching, let me quickly, maybe just because I'm sure your audience knows about this, but let's just talk about what is coaching right? yeah. and what coaching isn't, mm -hmm. you know, um, coaching is helping people go from here to there, right? You know, when I'm on, when I'm doing a workshop, I call myself the sage on the stage. Yeah. When I'm doing coaching, I'm the guide by their side. So when I come in to do coaching, I really kind of start with them. I try to find out exactly you know, why they're bringing me in, what their biggest challenges are, what the outcomes they'd like to accomplish or achieve. You know, we do a whole needs assessment process. So I don't just jump in and say, hey, here's what you should be doing. Because again, I'm not a consultant, right? right? Consultants come in and they have a, they have a pretty good approach and they come in and they say, hey, this is what you probably should do. Trainers right. come in and they say, hey, yeah, I hear you got a challenge. Here's some tools you might want to try. Okay. You know, mentors come in and say, hey, I've been there before. Let me tell you what I did. And maybe this will help you. Yeah. Coaches come in with the belief or mindset that, the person I'm working with, for the most part, probably has a lot of ideas and, and solutions. And my job is to help them get to that. And if they get stuck, I'm happy to help you. Yep. And so I'm kind of a consultative coach in the sense that I'm not a life coach. And I don't just say, well, come on, figure it out. What do you mean you don't know how to open a presentation? Yep. If they say, I don't know how to open a presentation. I'll say, would you mind if I share a couple 
examples of different ways, and then you can tell me which ones resonate with you, and then we can walk through one or two of those. Yeah, yeah. All right. How do you measure the impacts of this, right? I've seen a lot of communication go poorly, right? So I step in and work with a lot of, you know, CEOs and owners where they struggle with, well, I don't know why people don't understand my vision. I don't understand why they don't meet my expectations, understand my expectations. You know, I don't understand why I have to keep repeating myself, right? So you go in and you implement this, this methodology and everything and take them through this process. What's a good way to measure and monitor and, and make sure that it's actually sticking and they're getting the results that they, they want and need from their communication efforts? Right. I think that's a great question for everybody, not just you and I, coaches and consultants, but even leaders, right? How do you measure and of course, you know, depending on what you do, if you produce widgets, you're going to know if I have more widgets than I had before we started with less, you know, errors and increased our profits and we've been, we, you know, we've been successful. But when it comes to communications, these are things that aren't as easily measured. So that's why we do spend a lot of time up front doing a needs assessment. You know, one of the things I do is I do a mini 360. Okay. Now, I know there are 360s and I don't have, I'm not going in depth, but I'm, I'm saying, give me the names of three to five people. I'll do a mini 360. We'll give you some ideas about what's going on. And then what I'll do sometimes, we'll go back and check in with the groups and say, look, you know, here's what you've said at the beginning of the coaching. We're halfway through now. What are you seeing? What are you noticing? What are some things that are working? What are some things maybe you feel this person might still want to work on? Yeah. So that's one example. Another example is, you know, we identify the outcomes. You know, if somebody says to me, Oh, gosh, um, I'm horrible at structure and opening my presentation. I tend to go too long. I find myself, you know, rambling, you know, if we're halfway through and they're saying, man, I'm feeling really good now. I, I've got my presentations down to like, you know, 20 minutes instead of 40 minutes. I really love my openings and closings. I'm getting compliments. People are coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, I can see a difference. You know, so all of this kind of goes back to making sure you're clear about the outcomes and then trying to come up with, you know, measurable benchmarks, which right. again, depending on the outcomes, we work towards that. I, don't, I hope that's been helpful. I'm, I'm happy yeah. to go deeper. No, no, that's perfect. So when you speak with a company, I assume a lot of them, well, or, or, or a CEO will read your book and reach out and say, oh, I need more of this, right? Or I need help in that area. Outside of them doing that, what are couple warning signs or red flags like, ah, oh, I've got a communication issue, right? Because there, there's so many issues that can be hidden through communication, poor communication or good communication, right? How do you identify like, yeah, this is the, this is the route on how we communicate to get the results and get the things that we want. And this is how we want to solve it. Yes. Well, I think the first thing, uh, there's two things, I guess. One is sometimes I have leaders, C-suite leaders, you know, yeah. VPs who say to one of their team members, listen, I notice you're struggling a little bit with maybe presentation skills or getting up in front of your team and communicating effectively. And I would like to encourage you to reach out and get some coaching. Okay. So I'd say many, many times I'm, people are being referred to me. And, you know, the way the process works, Ken, is that, you know, they get, okay, we need a coach. So they go out and they get three, four people. And then you do what I call a chemistry meeting where we meet. Yeah. And we see if there's a good fit and then I can help them. And then of course they pick out of the list of threes, you know, yep. um, sometimes I've had the board say to the CEO, which I've had a couple of times, you know, we'd like for you to work on your communication skills, you know, based on the three sixties we're getting back and what we've seen, you know, we want to invest in you. Yep. And I think it's very important that I'm very clear about this. You know, coaching is an investment. I, I don't really work with people who are like, well, let's just try having a coach. And if this doesn't work, we're going to get rid of them. Yep. That's yep. not really not a good investment. Yeah. So most of the people that come to me are people who are already doing a good job and really want to get a little bit better. 
Yeah. So it, it could be a referral. It could be, a, um, you know, if, it, if it's mandated, I'll have to have the conversation and say, well, I think you can mandate that, but I will share with you, unless this person is interested in wanting to really come into the coaching, we're probably not going to have the results you're looking for. Yeah. Well, I, I think it goes without saying. I mean, quite honestly, I think all people can improve in their communication. I, I don't care how great you are. You look at, you know, our, our political leaders, our, our business leaders, communication is something that can be refined. I, I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts of written versus verbal communication and how to implement impact with that if there is a difference. I, I believe that there probably isn't, but I know a lot of times I will see communication come across in writing and I'll read it and I'm like, ooh, this may be interpreted this way or it may be interpreted this way. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's interpreted the poor way. And, you know, yeah. sort of back and go, you know, these sort of communications always should be done in verbally, right? Pick up the phone yeah. and talk to somebody. But I'm curious right. your thoughts on that, Patrick. Yeah, well, first of all, let's talk about um, written. There, really, there are three parts to every message, right? Your words, your voice, and your nonverbal communication. Obviously, in written communication, it's your words, Yeah. right? So written communication is something I'll call, I call linear communication. There's no feedback. So whenever you're communicating linearly, whether it's a text, an email, um, even a billboard, whatever it is in writing, there's a lot of opportunity for misinterpretation because yeah. there's no way for them to ask for clarification. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying we should never you know, have written communication. I just think it's important to figure out you got to use the right tool. And one of the things that I talk about in the M chapter and we take a look at the different messages is I talk about your method preference. And people tend to go to the method they prefer. So just for fun, Ken, you know, what would be your preferred method of communication when you think about what tool do you like to use most often or you feel most comfortable with? Uh, when you talk about a tool, I'd say email. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I find that is so true. And of course, now we're seeing more texting, which is a kind of a different form of email. But here's the thing. That's a nice tool um, because you like it and it could work. But what if your receiver is a really busy person and doesn't read their emails. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what if your person just doesn't even, has their assistant read their emails? Yeah. Well, maybe you might be better off, you know, leaving a voicemail and yeah. say, listen. Uh, so I always say, hey, don't get hooked into using your preference because we tend to do that. I like emails, therefore I'll use an email. And, you know, there's an old saying, maybe you heard this years ago when I mean, I've been around a long time. If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right, right. So yeah. there's a variety of tools out there. Right. I tell you, though, when it comes to interpersonal issues or challenges, I always tell all my clients, uh, you want to get off email as soon as possible, because there's so much miscommunication, there's so much misunderstanding that you want to try to get to a, a video call or a phone call, if possible. And so you can use email, right? If I know, for example, I give you like, I have adult children. And, you know, I'm, I learned early on, don't send emails because they don't respond. Yep. And my daughter said, Dad, what are you sending? That's a work thing. You don't send an email. Oh, okay, fine. So uh, I try leaving a voicemail. Sometimes I, you know, I can't even get into you know, the boxes full. So I know with my kids, I have to start with a text. Yep. You know, and I like my kids. I love to have a phone call, right? Yeah. So, but I know that my preference is phone calls. I prefer interpersonal, but I use the right tool to get the process going. Right. So that's kind of a little bit of a rule of thumb. If, for example, you're having a phone call, it doesn't hurt to have a follow-up email with a little summary to say, hey, great talking with you today. Just wanted to make sure I we're on the same page. This is kind of what I heard, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can use these in combination, but I think you do want to really consider what's the intention, what's the outcome, what's the best method to really get this accomplished. 
And it could be multiple methods. But yeah. Don't just assume that your method is the best method because that's the one we like the best. Yeah, that's fair. How much of the onus is on the, uh, I, I, this might sound like a silly question, but how much of the onus is on the person giving the message versus the receiver, right? We, we have to have some flexibility, but yeah. much of it is on me to understand, wow, Patrick likes email. So I must know that, must communicate with Patrick and email versus picking up the phone. What are your thoughts there? Right. Well, I, I pretty much tell all my clients, listen, do you know the preference of your team? Do you know who prefers an email, who prefers a phone call? No, I don't. Oh, yes, I do. Excellent. If you don't, I said, you might want to just check that out because it might be helpful. And you might want to maybe share your preference. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're the CEO and maybe say to your executive team, hey, listen, as we're moving forward, I just like you to know that if you're going to send me a text, I'm probably not going to get it, you know, because I don't really text. I don't check text during the day. Uh, the best way to reach me is through an email. My assistant will get back to, you know, whatever. But I think communication, right? So we're talking about communication. So it's so important to just communicate uh, yeah. about preferences and needs. And it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah, yeah. So remote working, COVID and everything, the world has, uh, has changed quite a bit. I mean, fortunately or unfortunately for me, I've got decades of working remote. So COVID was no change to me. Right. But how have you seen that affect like the active receiver uh, there? And then it just out of curiosity, also, if you could add in, uh, do you adapt or change or do anything differently based upon generations as well with it, with impact and the way you utilize impact? Yeah, well, in the P step, again, we talk I don't go into high depth about generations. I'm not a generational you know, expert, but I think it's one of the different lenses, right, that people okay. use. Okay. So um, like you, Ken, I had been doing, you know, WebEx and Zoom calls, not all the time, but I wasn't like I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And when COVID hit in March, you know, for the most part, I really hadn't done a lot of virtual seminars. I'd done a handful, but come March, everything went virtual. Right. So I had clients that had no idea what they were doing. So yeah. I had to kind of coach them, but look, we can't do eight hours. <laughs> you know, we really got to, we got to tighten this up. We have to do now, maybe we got to do a little pre-work. Yeah. You know, to get people to come prepared because we're cutting the amount of time. You know, we don't want to just, you know, have a talking head. You know, it might be helpful to come up with some ways to engage people. Yeah. So, um, in fact, right after COVID, about a month or two into that, I created and wrote an article on LinkedIn, if people wanted it still up there, on how to engage your team virtually. Because so many people had no idea how to do that. Yeah. yeah. And I even rewrote a program I used to teach years ago on meetings management to how to run an effective virtual meeting. So I've tried to help pivot and help my clients pivot um, with that because there are different skill sets. Uh, and the most important thing, again, because a lot of folks are still not back, right? We have folks right. who are coming back two, three days a week. We have folks that don't want to come back. Even though I've been back doing live presentations, I'm still doing the same presentation virtually because there are folks that now like that. So right. I, I just think it's important to uh, think about the tool, right? In this case, it's a virtual or a video. And then what can you do to engage people physically, mentally, and emotionally? That's right. the three key elements for engagement. Right? Right. Now, like physically, you know, you can go to breakout rooms, uh, you can change your energy level, um, you can put a slide up and people have, you know, you just change the, what, what they might be thinking. You know, mentally, I think it's helpful sometimes and emotionally to uh, don't be afraid to keep using stories, right? Yep. You know, because stories are really an important part of how we communicate and how I get a message across. And some people haven't figured out how to tighten up their stories a little bit because now, you know, in a virtual environment, we have less time. Yep. So again, I can go a little deeper, but I think there's a lot of things that one can do to maximize um, this virtual environment that, by the way, isn't going away. 
Yep. And probably you haven't seen it, but it's happening. We're having hybrid now where some people are still virtual. Some people are in person. And now as the presenter, you've got to even be more aware of how you're working, you know, two different audiences. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great differentiator for how you recruit and retain and, and who wants to come work for you as well. So we need to figure out how to work, work with these remote folks that are driven and that way or slated that way. So you mentioned disc earlier. Uh, yes. Talk to me about like how that comes into play and the behavioral aspects in your framework. Yes. And, you know, there are a lot of assessments out there and I'm not saying this is the best assessment, but it's the one that I like to use because it focuses on behaviors and it focuses on communication. Okay. So what I usually do, if, if I have a new client and they haven't done a disc, I say, would you mind if we do a disc profile? It's going to take you probably 20 minutes and when you know, you're going to answer 24 questions, it's going to spit out a 22 page report. And in reality, the report's probably more for me than you because I get to know you in a very short period of time. I know it's not 100% accurate. So once I do the report, can I send it to the, to the coachee? And I say, look, work, just walk through this and put a check mark by things you think are true, scratch out things you don't think are true, and help me get a little better, clear understanding of who you are. But by knowing that person, you know, and, and for people who may be listening that don't understand DISC, you know, DISC is not something new. Hippocrates in 400 BC, you know, began categorizing people into four categories. Now, yeah. unfortunately, he used body fluids, but I'm glad we're not using body fluids anymore. <laughs> but the point is, you have your introverts, you have your extroverts, you have your analyticals, you have your relationals. Yeah. Now, we're way more complex than that. But if I had to just like go in blindly or maybe be 40% accurate, I'd rather be 40% accurate and have some starting point. Yeah. So A, we do a disc on everybody. B, I try to get them to fine tune it. Uh, C, it's very helpful for me. And then D, sometimes they actually learn something about themselves that they hadn't been aware of. Okay. And the first step to change is awareness, Ken. And if someone's not aware of something, they can't change it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's really it. You're helping them just understand how they may be received, come across, or whatever. So, for example, I'm a high D followed by C. So that probably okay. something about me. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> All yeah. right. Can, and can, let me just say one more thing. It also helps you understand other people. Yeah, because, you know, Ken, as a high DC, you probably could be very intimidating to S's, which are the studies, which are the introverted, you know, introverted relational people and yeah. introverted relational people are kind of quiet and laid back. Yeah. And the more the D becomes, you know, a, assertive, which are D's are, yeah. um, the more the S shuts down. And if you're not aware that you're a high D and you're not aware the other person is an S and you're going, well, they never speak up. They don't give me any feedback. I don't know what's going on. Well, I can tell you what's going on. Yeah. You know, you're not adapting. You know, I always like to talk about the platinum rule versus the golden rule. And do you know the platinum rule? Uh, I do not. No, go for yeah. it. Yeah, we all know the golden rule, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated. Or as some people say, those with the gold rule, you know, or I grew up in a tough neighborhood that was, you know, uh, do unto others before they do unto you, right? But the platinum rule is treat people the way they want to be treated. Don't treat people the way like you that. want to be treated. Like so the whole point of it is if I'm interacting with an introvert and I'm an extrovert, I got to be mindful that maybe I should be asking more questions. Maybe I know that I'm going to talk a lot. Maybe I'm going to find that I might be invading their personal space because I don't even know that, you know, that's part of my style. Yeah. So um, I really like the idea of just understanding each other. And this is just one part of that. You know, you need to understand different cultures, you need to understand different educational levels. And I go into a lot of these in the, in the P chapter, you know, there are probably 10 or 16 different things that, you know, influence how different we are, one yeah. of which is personality style. Yeah. Can, can you, silly question, but I'm sure you have been asked this before. Can you 
follow this process and make everybody, you know, uh, you know, communicate with impact. Is that possible? Yeah. Some people are like, oh, you know, just you're, you're just never going to get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, like everything, right? There's no, there's no perfect golden bullet. Right. Yeah, yeah. I do think for a lot of people, though, the thing that the process does, Ken, is it really helps you slow it down and think. Because That's we're right. in such a fast-paced environment. People yeah. just want to react, right? Yeah. Right. And so we just jump, right? And we don't even start with, okay, gee, why am I picking up the phone? I mean, even if, if you left our podcast right now and just did one thing and just did the first step, yeah. you know, you said, okay, before I do any communication, I'm going to take 30 seconds and ask myself this question. Yeah. Why am I wanting to communicate with this person about this issue? Yeah. You'd be a better communicator, yeah. right? Yeah. So I tell people, look, here are the six steps. You don't have to do them in the exact order. You don't have to do all of them, but at least be aware of them because one or two of these are always in play whenever you're interacting with somebody. Yeah, yeah. And, and let's let's face it, you know, poor communication can cause wars, divorces, and 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 destroy businesses, right? So, you know, getting yeah. these tools and assets is is absolutely critical. So how long does it take one, you know, to read the books, let's say I'm, I, 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 I want to do it myself or read the book and I work on this and I follow your process. How long until I start seeing results, do you think? Yeah, well, uh, number one, I, the way I wrote the book, I'll be upfront with you, Ken, is I actually took my workshop and had it transcribed. Yeah. So a lot of people write a book and then they create a program. I took my program and turned it into a book. Yeah. So A, the book is very, very practical. I, I, I created the book in sections, it's tabs. So if you just want to work on uh, personality, you go to the P step, right? Okay. If you're struggling with creating a message, you go to the M step. If you think, man, I need to be a better listener, you go to the A step. So right. uh, A, and you can read the whole book, but what I say to people is, look, if you've got a particular issue, just get the book and look at that issue. Then when you have time to come back, learn the whole process. The yep. process is, is very helpful because really communication is complex. And as you said, right, I mean, First of all, we spend about 80% of our waking day in some form of communications. And communication is really an integral part of almost anything we do. If you see something that's working or not working, there's a good chance some of that has to do with communication. Right. So um, for people who just want to you know, have a, a workshop in a, in a book, I mean, they can just get the book and have it there and go through it at their leisure. If somebody is saying to me, you know, I really want to be a better presenter, and I think I'd love to figure out how to be more effective at crafting a powerful message and delivering it more effectively, I'd say, well, just get the book and walk through it, and you're going to see all the pieces are there. Yeah. Um, you know, even in, at the end of each chapter, I have some coaching questions. So people could even just get the book. And then since I'm not there, I ask them particular questions to help them think through each of the steps. So to answer your question, you know, I guess if you were really high level and very dedicated, probably within a half a day, um, you know, you could read through the, if you just read the first two chapters or overview everything and then picked out a couple of chapters you think you're struggling with, I think you're going to see some some results right away. Yeah. Okay. All right. Out of curiosity, who are the top three communicators you've uh, you've experienced in your lifetime? Political. Oh my gosh. <laughs> who are you? Yeah. That that's wow, this yeah. person. Uh, on you know, just automatically uses impacts in their messaging and everything. They're great, and we all need to emulate to be like this. Anyone? Say yeah. It? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, again, it depends on are we talking about you know presentations are we talking about you know um, interpersonal yeah, communications but like I, i'll go back i'm going to go back a little bit in time maybe some of our listeners don't remember ronald reagan oh yeah but i thought i thought ronald reagan you know was a good communicator he was yeah. very great at telling stories he was very good at engaging the audience he was good at abusing humor and getting his message across 
And uh, yeah, so again, I can go through other presidents. That's the first one that pops into my head. Yeah. Uh, and 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 of course, there are people that don't have to be famous. I mean, for yeah, me, yeah. you know, my grandmother who came from Italy was a good communicator because she had lots of wisdom and she asked me questions. And you know, she was somebody who I could talk to. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that we all look at and see, you know, in the limelight. Right. Um, but that's a great question. I think a lot of us probably should be asking ourselves is. Who do I think is a good communicator? And more importantly, what are they doing that maybe I could be doing yeah. that would help me, you know, take it to the next level? Yeah, yeah. Well, well. Listen, just like I said earlier, if you uh, if you want to prevent war, prevent divorce, or uh, disruptions in your company, uh, or and friction with your children, we can all improve and focus on getting better at communicating, both both giving the messages and receiving, and understand. I think one of your critical points is is we're not all cut from the same cloth, right? A DC right. is different than an I or different than an S, right? And doesn't mean one is better or worse, but understanding it and then leveraging your framework of impact can help all of us improve and get the results that we want both in business and life is the way I see yeah. it. So, and I think the point you shared, I want to reemphasize is that neither one is any better or worse, right? right. You're not better if you're a D or an I or an S or a C. You're not better if you're a boomer versus you're a generation X or you yep. know, we all come from different places. We all have different needs. And the goal is how do we work together effectively to get the better result? Yep. And that's really what communications is, is about how do we work together yep. to get yep. a better result? Excellent. Patrick, what, what if people want to learn more about you? You got your beautiful book in the background there. So I'm assuming that they can go and, and get a copy online, but how do they reach out to you? How do they learn more about you? Any advice there, please? Yeah. If you're going to have liner notes, I'll send you some links, but I'll be happy to share Right now, the easiest way to find me is very simply patrickdenadio.com. So you just go to my website. Um, I have a resources page there. I'm not, you know, you could buy the book there. You, but I suggest you go to Amazon unless you want an autograph copy and you're in the States, but it's yeah. on Amazon. Okay. But all your listeners, if you just go to my resources page, I have articles that I've, I put up there for free. I have other podcasts and I'll probably put yours up there, Ken, where yep. people can listen. I do a podcast just on presentation skills. I have a podcast, you know, just on you know, communicating as a leader. So there's a lot of free resources there. And if people want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm happy to do that as well. Yeah, please send me some of that stuff. We'll post it in our community uh, as well. And you should go check us out as, as well. You get time, uh, theshiftspot.com, um, specifically for CEOs. It, um, yeah. Listen, Patrick, I really enjoy your time. It's a, a great pleasure. Um, fortunately, I think I've been doing some of these things, but I never knew it. And I can see that. And actually in the conversation, I have a lot of areas that I need to improve on as well. So I need to go get yeah. your book and check out some more of your videos and podcasts. Yeah. Can I leave one final tip? Absolutely. You know, in the T-step, I talk about becoming a continuous improving person. Yep. And when I was in Japan, I heard this concept called Kaizen you know, from again, from Deming, and uh, it's a Japanese phrase for continuous improvement. So I'm going to give everybody on the on our podcast today, just my simplest tip that's in the T-step, and it's this, do a WD, right? What did I do well when I had this interaction? What could I do differently the next time? And if you just spend the minute after, you know, an important communication, doing a little bit of a debrief, yeah. you're going to start to realize, hey, there are some things I can get better at. And the most important thing is don't just go to what can I do differently? Be sure to focus on what you do well, too, because, you know, our strengths are valuable, too. It's not just about our weaknesses. Yeah. So the WD is a great tool anybody can use at any time, no matter where you are, what you do to be a little bit better. And I hope all of us get a little bit better by being here today with both of us. That is excellent advice. Thanks again, Patrick. Appreciate your time.